All right, welcome back to another episode of the Goalpost. It's another week in the NFL. This is a week-to-week league, and there's no better example of that than the Cowboys being back on top after just being embarrassed the week before. We're talking about Monday Night Football right off the bat here, Patrick. Best kind of matchup since that 49ers-Cowboys game, but wasn't exactly sure if it was going to be a great game going into this one. Yeah, it was one of those not-so-good great games. I think it was great because it was kind of a chaotic game and it wasn't really flawless and it was it was just chaotic really in general. We saw a lot of missed opportunities on both sides, some interesting calls go either way, and the Cowboys came out on top, Damian. And going into this game, I, did, I could see it going either way, really. I didn't really lean either side and it kind of also felt like a must win not a must win but a game you need that I'm gonna I'm labeling this one as a game these teams needed to win and the Cowboys like you said off a dish like huge loss to the 49ers come back win a big one on the road in quotations in LA but uh 20 to 17 Dak looked uh Dak looked good and the Cowboys pulled it off it's hilarious to see like the connection between Dak looking good and having to do way less in a football game. Like the second he, you know, doesn't have to do everything, doesn't have to be throwing the deep ball at way, you know, as often, you know, they start to look like a much better team. I think the Cowboys more than any other team haven't been given the benefit of like the injury doubt this year. I think everybody, you know, points to the bills and other teams, but they've been banged up this year and, and going to four and two instead of three and three is a huge step, I think, in in the right direction for their season. They're obviously, I don't think, going to catch the Eagles uh, this year for that division lead. I guess they could. We'll talk about the Eagles game coming up a bit later, but I think the the Cowboys more so than any other team needed a win and they got one. Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't necessarily think they will catch the Eagles, but it's a game they had to win if they wanted to, right? Because the Eagles also dropped one this past week and they haven't played each other yet. So if the Cowboys find ways to win those two games against the Eagles, winning this one will age amazing for them. And like you said, Dak was just, he was a smooth operator out there. He kind of started off slow, got sacked five times, which I don't know if that's more of a reflection on the O-line or Dak himself, but he was efficient. He was 21 of 30, uh, no interceptions, 272 yards. That's the perfect Dak Prescott stat line. Not throwing the ball like 45 times. He's just efficient, like smart passes. They They found a running game with Pollard. And I mean, Dak even ran one in himself untouched for 18 yards. Someone, there must have been some sort of meeting between McCarthy, Prescott, just all like the the heavy hitters on the Cowboys and just like they needed to, to figure it out, throw the tape out, even though McCarthy said he doesn't believe in that. What what tape are you going over in that 49ers game, man? Maybe Dak learning how to read a defense, but no, like it was a full effort from the Cowboys tonight. And let's let's shift to the Chargers here. Yeah, this was a classic Justin Herbert bad game stat line. Threw the ball 37 times, 227 yards, two TDs, a pick, and eight sacks. I'll say it again. There's nobody more satisfying in the league to watch get sacked than Justin Herbert. It just looks like a, they threw a little kid out there whenever a you know or edge rusher just absolutely pancakes him. Um, but 
this is a classic example on the other side of Justin Herbert having to do too much. They only ran the ball 23 times. Eckler really struggled in this one to get going. 14 carries, 27 yards, and he was just having to do too much. I think you saw that a lot on the last pick. He was trying to fit a ball into a window that really had no business being there. Yeah, these guys are the same quarterback. They just try to do too much in some games, and it really bites them in the ass when it comes down to it. And when they're efficient and they're making the throws that they should and not making the mistakes, they they get put on this like all-pro, pro-bowl pedestal, which they belong on, and they both have the potential to be on. But the thing that shocked me in this game was Eckler couldn't do anything on the ground. I mean, that was supposed to be a, a big storyline. Eckler's back, his first game back, like no better time to have him return than against the Cowboys on prime time. And he just looked like a shell of himself. I don't know if he was concussing and punched in the face before the game. Did you see that? Yeah, that was vicious. That was like one of the, like you never see actual punches in the NFL that one landed. I mean, who's back? NFL fights. We got two games practically in a row with fights. Uh, 49ers and the Browns got into it. Then we see this huge one before Monday Night Football. There's a little bit of bad blood back in the in the NFL. I love it. No tummy sticks. No, and, and it was kind of old school with the jersey matchup too. I was like, Big okay, we're, we're in the 90s, early 2000s NFL. It's, it's what you want to see. Um, do you want to talk about the Chargers fan? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm staying even more woke on this than I originally am because I saw a picture of her today in Vikings gear with like her face painted like a Viking. Um, the the counterpoint to that was that apparently she moved from Minnesota to L.A. But I, I don't like that that game was on ESPN and then she magically appears on the McAfee show the next day and ESPN show with an interview immediately. It's, it's all too convenient. Yeah, and she seemed very, very prepared in that interview. Very calculated in what she said. I'm I'm with you. This is something like you go tinfoil hat just for fun purposes on this one because like who really cares? But my biggest thing is nobody reacts that way. Nobody. No. Like you can show Even me the gamblers. most. Exactly. Well, that's what I was going to go is like usually the people who are reacting the most are either people who have a lot of money on the game or it's like you're truly like a 40-year-old long fan of following this team and no one, no one, no one, no one reacts like that. And the fact that she just kept getting shown on TV, it was like, okay, this had to be talked about pregame. I don't know. She's a Vikings and Chargers fan. Like LA too, right? Like it's in LA, actors... This is a tough time for NFL broadcasts recently. Like the the last Taylor Swift game, like they're, I don't know. It just seems all over the place. I'm going to watch it anyways, but it seems like more and more we have like, we you can pick apart NFL broadcasts now. Yeah. Somehow like the Manning cast is going to be like the go-to yeah. broadcast in the future because it's just, they're talking ball. Yeah. That's, that's what I want. I know. It's ridiculous. Uh, nice to see ESPN pump the NHL a bit. Yep. Uh, that's been nice to see, but moving on to Thursday night football, we got the Jags and saints on Thursday night in new Orleans. The buzz of this one is that Trevor Lawrence kind of got an injury to his knee. It looks like, uh, after last week, which means CJ Beathard time, more importantly, Nathan Rourke now in a backup position, one step closer. Yeah. Who's back of the week, Nathan Rourke. 
I, it's still shocking to me. He didn't get picked up when he went on waivers, but that's another story for another day. Yeah, questionable Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he decides this game, I would say. I, I think if he starts, it's as simple as that. If he starts, Jags take care of business on the road. And if CJ Bathard starts, I, I think the Saints can just muck their way to a victory. Just disgusting 20 to 17, 17, 14, something really just kind of gross. And the the dome is always rocking. I always forget it's Caesar Sportsbook Dome or something now. Caesar Sports Stadium. Yeah. It'll always that's be Mercedes Benz to me. But um, yeah, I, I think this game boils down to if Trevor plays or not. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Something that makes me think they are going to play is that the Jaguars kind of need wins. Like they don't, they're still in a good spot. They're four and two, but if you want to kind of make people believe what you say you are, you got the 49ers in three weeks. Like you got to kind of start stacking wing wins here. They have one of the relatively easy schedules in, in the NFL, but I think this team more than any other team is going to need the benefit of like a playoff buy or an easier playoff matchup because this team could easily find itself kind of in the same position as the chargers last year and just kind of have a week, like first round and out. And then you're back wondering like, all right, are the Jaguars like really the juggernauts we thought they were, or is there a lot to kind of go on this roster? Yeah. They got to prove throughout the season that they've taken that next step to be in those like top four teams in the AFC. And Obviously, they beat the Chargers last year, but I still don't think that anoints them as a um, perennial team in the AFC. And I listen, if Lawrence doesn't play in this game, I better see at least one snap with Nathan Rourke out there. Oh, yeah. Well, that's right. That's what the real question is. Like, is I don't think CJ Beathard like it's not out of the realm of possibility that he goes out there and stinks it up early and they go, all right, why not? Like, yeah, and it's not like the Saints are going to. Run, I mean, they ran away with the Patriots game, but I assume they're never going to run away with this game at any point. And if yeah. it's nine to three at halftime for the Saints and Bethard's got two interceptions and he's thrown for 60 yards, you just yeah, need a touchdown to get the lead, oh, right? That would just break, absolutely break Canadian football Twitter. Like it would snap in half. You'd get you'd get people talking about the Lions on the stream like you would. That would be insanity. Uh, this game has pretty bad viewing potential. I would say the Saints play awful football to watch. Like it's yeah, it's not fun and, and I, prime time. Yeah, like and the I, lights are too bright in prime time this year. Like that, I would love to see a stat on prime time unders because it's I got one ridiculous. for you. Last seventy five prime time games. If you bet the under on all of them, I think you would have gone like 65 percent yeah that's outrageous i i mean show me show me that many plays in any other clip like you're not getting 65 back especially with like playoff baseball going on at the same time like it's such an easy out and then hockey if you're if you don't even have to watch it yeah right like it's it's well honestly i avoided every second of that bills giants game on sunday night it was was amazing Sometimes I have to. I feel like I'm doing charity work just by finishing one of those primetime games. Like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch the second half here. I almost always regret it. Yeah, it's especially like I had a Sens game to watch, and then I was, I was on the playoff baseball as well, watching that, and I was just like, you know, you know, there's no good going on in this Giants Bills game, no good, and 
yeah, I think I made the right decision. Back to this game, though, I just got one one question. What are the Saints? I think they're the new Raiders. If I had to, if I had to like pick an identity for them, I think they're going to be stuck in limbo for the next, I don't know, eight years, like six to seven years. I think they will be just good enough to not get like prime draft picks and then not be like organizationally sound enough to really do anything in the playoffs. The Derek Carr effect. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Some people might say that's the only reason I'm saying that, but I think that the saints are one of the teams that has like the lowest outlook right now. Like what are you getting all excited about? If you're a saints fan home games, they just get drunk and go to home games and and cheer. They're they're more excited about LSU football than, than they are the saints these days. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just yeah. Hopefully the Saints wear those all black jerseys. Though that would be cool. That would be cool. I would. Yeah. I, I do love that. Um, yeah. But looking ahead a bit further into Week Seven, we got a couple great matchups on Sunday. We'll start with kind of a matchup of two teams that really gotta gotta prove it in this game. Lions at Ravens. I think that the Ravens much more than the Lions have to prove this one, but. If you're the world beater that like you want people to believe you are, then you know you got to win this game. Yeah, David Montgomery's out for the Lions. Looks it's like tough. Jameer Gibbs is trending to play, but not is still listed as questionable. That's a big difference in this game because you know Baltimore is going to want to run the ball and just control the control time of possession and just Baltimore is no problem winning this game with no touchdowns. We kind of yeah. saw that last week against Tennessee. And Detroit, as crazy as it sounds to say, they're kind of like a high-powered offense. Like they want to run and gun with you. I know they have a pretty like solid defense, but they have no problem like going uh, to just put up points against teams. So it's kind of these teams contrast each other. Yeah, and I lean defense when these teams kind of contrast. I, I don't know. That might be like my my old man coming out, but yeah. I that's kind of where I fall on this matchup. And does that do you think that leads you to then? side with the Ravens, yeah the ravens in like a grimy like 12 9 game yeah yeah this one's gonna be interesting how do how do the lions respond with a little bit of adversity i don't think they've really had much this year i think that in terms of you know a, a team they've been one of the more cohesive units but you know the ravens i hate playing the ravens or like having them in a tough game because you just never know with them like it's part of that harbaugh part lamar jackson like he there's a game where he could just go out and get three touchdowns on the opposite side of that, right? Like, and, and kind of light it up a bit. This one is like my biggest toss up for Sunday. I really don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, Baltimore is on an extreme week to week team. You never really know. Um, travel, travel is in play here. You always yep. forget this is the first week we have since like week two, week three without a London game. Um, so that's, I think that's kind of nice. I, I, the 9:30 games every week it's a bit much. Uh but yeah, Baltimore is coming back. Travel played a fa- played an effect for um who are the teams? Who are the Jag- Bills? Tennessee. The Bills yes. uh, the Bills uh Jaguars game that had an effect. So, I don't know, man. I I agree. We're like I can see this game going either way. Um I like Detroit more. So I kind of want them to win more if I have to be honest here, but I think David Montgomery is like his presence factor, yeah. is it's going to be it's going to be shown there. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions can't run the ball at all and they're forced to do a little bit too much, and this one kind of gets out of the way early there. Um, moving on to the 4 o'clock slate, where, sorry to talk about the Chargers again, I really am, um, but they play KC. They have no rest after that game against Dallas. They go Monday night to Sunday against Kansas City. Kansas City at home, mind you. Uh, this is a bad bad spot for the chargers they're gonna win this game oh they're Ooh. dude it's it's they're the stupidest team in the league they're gonna win this game like it's it makes no sense i don't even believe what i'm saying i yeah, don't i know um but they they are gonna go into kansas city and find a way to win this game because kansas city has not looked good i mean they're five and one but they are arguably they've looked the worst out of any of the five and one teams in the league they put up like I don't know. They Dude, struggle. It's just they they don't put up points, and the Chargers have absolute potential to at any point to put up 30, 40 some nights. So I think if the Chargers can just find Eckler and find that offense, they can win this game. I I don't hate that based re- really on the fact like I I thought about this the other day. Why is it that the Eagles have like one of the toughest schedules in the NFL? And the Chiefs' last five was Jacksonville, Chicago, the Jets, the Vikings, and Denver. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Like, yeah, Jacksonville is like the only good team. Jacksonville is the only good team there. They open the season against the Lions, which is a tough game. But like, I guess it starts a bit of a slog after this. They go Denver again, then they go Miami and Germany, um, in Philly. And then Las Vegas, Green Bay. Like, this isn't a tough schedule at all. I think the big thing is, you know, usually the AFC West is a bit of a gauntlet. And it's just not not this year, year, right? So you're playing three teams twice a year that are average to not good, right? So I I think that bodes well for them big time this year. Uh, But no, this, like, listen. I don't believe in what I'm saying. And if the Chiefs win by three scores, I also won't be shocked. Yeah. But you just have that feeling where it's like Staley's on the hot seat again. Everyone's starting to get on Herbert. And this is going to be that game, all the eyes. And then Herbert's going to get all the praise after. And Mahomes is going to, Mahomes is going to start limping out there in the third quarter. Like, I don't know. Balls are going to start getting dropped. It's, it's got that game where it's like, Oh, the chargers, like, Staley's going to keep his job for another week, basically. Yeah, is what we're going to see. This is a perfect four o'clock game, though. I'm I'm very excited for that. Great four o'clock slate this week. One of the better ones. Yeah, it's uh, you know, in some there's been some tough scheduling over the past few weeks, but I think this is one of the better weeks for it. There's a lot of lot of close spreads this week, like not the most attractive matchups on paper, um, but should be a lot of close football games. Um, we'll go last to the best game of the week, really the best game of the season, like has potential to be. You got the Dolphins at the Eagles. Two five and one teams, two teams in very opposite directions currently, I would say. Like the Eagles are coming off of a loss. Miami's coming off of rewriting whatever happened in that Bills game. This is like a put up or shut up game for both teams. Yeah, happy to see the NFL schedule finally like starting to take shape here with actual like quality primetime games where yeah. we were missing in the first couple weeks. 
Wow. Uh, this is this is such a treat on a Sunday night. It's ridiculous. I'm definitely gonna lean points here. I think there's I think these two offenses can just go like these are the Philly has one of the few offenses in the league that can kind of go toe to toe with Miami if they're flawless. I I just don't know though because I'm not so I haven't been sold on the Eagles all year. They finally kind of got exposed last week. I actually dropped a game to the uh, inferior Jets team. I would argue to them and the Dolphins. If you take away that Bills game, it's like this team is unbeatable. Like when yeah. you watch them, it's I mean. Were you worried at any point when they went down 14 nothing last week? No, no. I actually missed the first 20 minutes of the game. So I checked Perfect. my phone and saw it was 14 nothing, And I went, all right. And then I got home. And by the time I got home, it was already 14 all. Yeah, the, the defense looked a little sketchy in those first two drives against the Panthers. But they figured it out. Like, they figured it out after I'm that. But the worried. defense looked sketchy on those I'm first worried. two drives. I'm worried, worried, worried that the Eagles are just going to run all over us. Like the Eagles love running the football, and that is the one like chink in the armor you can kind of point out so far with the Dolphins. If they run all over us, this has like this has burnout potential. Like I don't know what happens if that happens. Like I think our offense will still have like an ability to go and get down. But as we saw in that Bills game, if you keep Miami's offense off the field. They just can't catch up. Like, there's not enough time in the game to really catch up well. Yeah, if they're running the ball, the Eagles, Miami's offense will have to be flawless. Like, yeah. they're going to have to score on almost every, every drive. drive. Yeah. Because the Eagles are going to, you know, you're right. Like, I do think that will be their game plan. Kill the clock. Keep the Dolphins on the su- offense on the sideline. And, like, touchdowns. Touchdowns are really, really going to matter in this game because I think it's, the winning team will have 30 points in this game. Yeah, I think uh, the over is a great play in this just for excitement factor. You want to be bought in on all the touchdowns here. You know, get in, get in Dominican Sue on the squad. <laughs> Put him in the middle, man. Come on. I know it's I really just want Jalen Ramsey on this team like bad now. I think we're getting to the point in the season where it's like, OK, we kind of like we need a little bit of help back there. I think that either Devon, whoever doesn't get Xavier Howard could have a night too. Like if whether it's Smith or whether it's AJ Brown, I think whoever Howard really isn't on for most of the night could have a, it could be a bit of a matchup problem. Like we saw with the bills. I can't wait for you to come on next week and just wanting the, the tush push band banned from football. Just I, get it oh, out of the game. I could see that happening like three yeah. times in this game. Yeah. I'm not yeah, looking you're forward gonna, to that. You're going to hate it, and I I would hate it too if I was in your position. I, 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 I think that's one of the biggest things the Eagles have going for them is you don't want to play them. Like It's a, a very annoying team to play. Like You're never going to get out of like a game with the Eagles unscathed. Yeah, easy team to kind of dislike, I would argue too, especially if you're on the AFC side. Big time. Uh, I just Something about the Eagles that they, it's just an ugly green they have. I, I'm not a fan of it. I think they're wearing Kelly greens on the Sunday night too. Are the Dolphins going to go throwbacks? I don't think so. I don't think they only have throwback. They don't have white throwbacks. Do they? They do. They do, but it's the one from two years ago. It's my two, a Jersey actually. Okay. Um, Yeah. I don't, I really hope they do. That would, I think that would give us a leg back up, but I don't love that. They're going to be premiering the Kelly greens against us. No, that can't feel good. 
Uh, yeah, I always forget. I keep forgetting this game's in Philly. You got to you want that weather to be nice too. Yeah, rain rain will not be your friend in that game, and hopefully the winds are low. But the crowd's going to be rocking at the link. Oh, are all of Philadelphia stadiums named after banks? Link, where the, the Flyers? Bank. Yeah, where do the Flyers play? I want to say, is it something to do with Chase? I don't know, but I think it's Lincoln Financial. Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo Center. There you go. Wow. Who knew? Fun fact. Yeah, I just. mm. There you go. Um, But that does it for our preview of week seven. We're going to come back in a sec and talk about our impressions from the first week of the NHL. Come back right after this. All right, we're back and it's time to talk a little hockey. We've gotten through one week of NHL hockey. A little over it. And I got to say my initial like base impression, I don't know if that's because the Leafs have started off pretty hot. It's been a pretty fun start to the NHL season. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think there's actually a buzz. Seems to have a little juice. Yeah, there's more of a buzz than I was expecting because it did kind of sneak up on me. And I I wasn't ready. My my head was still in football season. And I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be sports overload. But no, I'm I'm back into hockey. Picked it up pretty quickly. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. I do think uh, the ESPN advertising and promotions for it has has helped a bunch. I think Bedard has also helped a ton. I don't know. I don't know why how Bedard became like the thing you had like Crosby, Ovechkin, McKinnon, McDavid, Matthews, an American, right? Like you have so many guys that you could have just promoted this hard before, but it's but if it's Bedard yeah, like that has to do it, stars, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like whatever it is, we'll take it. But I mean, I think both our teams are off to two and one. Leafs are two and one, yeah. yeah so like yeah. decent starts, and I like I don't like. There's been some crazy ones, like Vancouver sweeping Edmonton two and zero and back to back. That shocked me. I mean, Edmonton going into the season, just basically crossing their fingers at a, at the goaltending position is a hilarious move for me. Like people penciling them in for Stanley Cups and like, I don't know, a big fat old question mark on the back end. I just don't I hate I hate going into a season like that. It, it never seems to be a winning recipe unless you're the Blues in 2019 with like a stroke of genius with Jordan Bennington. Yeah, that was like. Yeah, that was perfect time, and they got hot. And I mean, that's kind of like an unexplainable one, but yeah, people never learn. You need a goalie to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, I, you can make the playoffs without a goalie, sure, but and you're then gonna get exposed. At Vegas, Vegas is gonna do the same thing for the next six years. Like Vegas winning that cup with Aiden Hill is gonna do this. It's just gonna repeat. Where the reality of that was that that Vegas roster was one of the best things I've ever seen in my life, and he barely got shots for half of those games. Yeah, I didn't expect Vegas to start out 4-0. Uh, yeah. No hangover to start for them. I mean... They look electric, too. You just like, think they're getting old. You know, you're like, oh, this team's getting old. They're old. They got a bunch of, like, vets, just kind of names. And then Aiden Hill, you're like, oh, he's not going to back it up. Yeah, they have to start the season out. Colorado's also 3-0. and Boston's 2-0. and It's like the same league from last year, really. Yeah, the, the good teams are playing well. Like there isn't other than Edmonton, really, there hasn't been many storylines like that yet. Yeah. I mean, New Jersey's one where you're like, okay, they're, they're one, one and one. So it's like, win your next game, get to above 500 and everything should be fine. Um, like 
Tampa hasn't had a good start. Tampa's a team where I'm really wondering, you brought it up the other day, whether Tampa makes the playoffs or not. Looks like the Atlantic, more so than last year, is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, man. And uh, my sample size is very small. Very, very, very small. It was just the game, game two of the season, Sens versus Light, or game three for Ottawa, I guess it would have been. They looked in the same tier as the Philadelphia Flyers. Like they they had nothing. You have Austin Watson and Calvin DeHaan on your roster. You like Vasilevsky's out for two months. Stamkos, like Stamkos is like one foot in, one foot out. You got a contract negotiation going on, which that took me by surprise. But that seems like that's gonna be a storyline following that team around. Braden Point has done nothing to this point. And yeah, like you said, I think the Atlantic is gonna be highly competitive. And if Tampa just goes down early. It's going to be tough to play catch up. Like when Vasilevsky yeah. comes back, you have no goaltending right now. Yeah. You don't like you have, you just have Kucherov and Hedman. And I don't think that's going to be enough. Well, it seems like every year since their dominance, they, they're getting like almost like a, a steady curve down. Like each year they get a little less better, a little let like a couple more guys leave. They pick up a little more questionable roster fillers. Now this year you have Vasilevsky out early. It could be a tough sled for the Lightning, which I think everyone around the league would love. Kind of like when after Golden State won and then they were a lottery team when Clay got injured and it kind of all fell apart really fast. Now, the other half of that leads them to win a championship in the next couple of years after this, but I'd like to just keep it at that for right now. Um, Talked a bit about, uh, about Bedard. Um, I think that this is an absolutely bonkers schedule for Chicago to go through. Like, I don't think anybody wants to give the Blackhawks slack and even, and you know, they have had to, it's been ridiculous. I think they played four teams, home openers in a row on the road. Yeah. And then they go and play Colorado, Vegas, Boston, Vegas. <laughs> Holy shit. That's those are their first eight games of the season. And they're two and two right now. Yeah, And I mean, Stole I a game in Toronto. I think Chicago. I'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs, but they are not going to be a bottom five team this year. Like, I think you're actually going to have to show up and play when you're facing Chicago. Momentum's such a crazy thing in the NHL, more so than any other league, just because it's probably the league that has the closest parity, like in terms of the last place team could beat the first place team on any night. That kind of just leads to, you know, the. Blackhawks, like if you can move momentum in the NHL, you can be such a rapidly different franchise within like two, even three years. It's like there's there's distinct difference between like the rapid retool in the NHL versus like a full staged rebuild. And Chicago, a team that you would have thought really would have had to hunker down kind of the hatches. I mean, they have gone through some pretty bad shit in the past four years, but this could be like a faster turnaround than kind of most people expect, I think. Yeah, and a, a guy like Bedard will do that for you. Yeah. Which I think why a lot of people were upset that they won that lottery for Bedard because they are a fan base that has been spoiled in the past 10, 20 years. And, you know, they have had some stuff, which is not good. And, you know, they were, it looked like they were kind of rewarded and now they have a fresh start and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, the Blackhawks look like they're going to be a good team. Bedard. Aside, face-offs aside, I think that's just something that, you know, he's a smaller guy, he's a rookie, 
veterans will always kind of have the edge in the faceoff dot. Take that out. He is he is a, a very good NHL hockey player. Like he is so ready for this league. He moves around so well and his his hockey IQ is crazy. Like he seems to know where the play is going before it even kind of develops. Uh, he's going to have a good season. He's going to have his ups and downs and some bumps, but he's going to rack up points. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he has 50 points by the end of the year, like which sounds low even for kind of what the preseason totals were, but I think he'll kind of end up right around there. He he just shoots the puck so much that points are just going to come. Yeah. Like it's, it's right. Like good things happen when you shoot the puck. It sounds a very cliche statement, but he just shoots it so often that the good things will eventually happen for him. Hopefully he keeps it up. And I, I think his hockey IQ, hopefully knock on wood will help him uh, like put himself in good spots, just avoid like contact yeah. in bad areas and just kind of hopefully stay healthy due to his hockey IQ. Yeah, I think you're right on that. And, uh, you see guys survive that way. Like that's how Marner really edged his way into this league. And, and it's very possible uh, on the other side of things. Let's talk about some bad teams. We can update your take on the Kraken. Oh, three and one to start. Like this is a nightmare start for them. They started a home and away at Calgary. They went Calgary, lost the flames five, three at home against the flames, lost, lost against the Canucks lost against the Oilers like it's it's tough it's uh oh I read that backwards I think oh no no I got it right never mind um but anyways the Kraken they're gonna have to lean on like their fans they, this might be a tough year brutal I was one year too early on that take unfortunately yeah Um, not gonna go take a victory lap I won't I might uh but yeah, three goals in four total games it's crazy dude I like I expected them I don't know. I still, I never thought they were a good team last year. I know they made the playoffs. I just think, I don't know, stroke of luck, but I know 82 games, it's not luck, but I, I just was never sold on Seattle at any point in time in that season. And I'm still not. And I don't know. Beneers has done nothing. No point. Like the guys who are supposed to take that next step on this team, like the old guys kind of carried last year, the guys that weren't yeah. really supposed to like McCann, Eberly. Yanni Gord, like guys like that, they're not stars, but they showed up as vets for this younger team. The younger guys got to step up in this year and they just haven't yet. And they're not dead because it's so early in the season, but you got to start scoring. Yeah. Uh, another team that's been surprising, surprisingly low in the standings. Buffalo starts out the season one, two, and oh, really, really bad start for them. They've just looked kind of dead. Um, like they started off against, I think it was the Penguins, right? They lost three, one to the pens and then they get a win against the blue jackets, but, and then they lose five, three to the jackets and seven, four to the pen. Like, I don't know what's really happening to them. Um, I think that was preseason. I think the, the first game for was against the Rangers losing five, uh, one, then the Islanders fucking me up. Yeah. 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 Schedules are fucked me up. Yeah, that 5-1 game to the Rangers was horrific. Like, it was a bad, bad start to them. One shining moment is that Devin Levi has looked like he can kind of withstand being a starting goalie. Just in kind of how he carries himself and goes game to game, they've already had the confidence to kind of go with him uh, a couple games in a row here. But Buffalo is a team that's going to have to turn things around fast, as well as Florida. Yeah, the Atlantic is... It's going to be tough. The good teams have gone off to good starts 
And I think people expected Buffalo and Florida to be two of those teams that are going to be competing not only for wildcard spots, but a top three spot in the Atlantic this year. And it's not the start that you're looking for. You're kind of a basement dweller with Montreal, who, I mean, they are going to be a bottom three team this year with the loss of Kirby Doc. It's bad. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think Florida's a better team than Buffalo. But I like I just don't know. Like, is Florida having the Stanley Cup hangover instead of Vegas? Like, they knows? kind of got a fluke of a season. They wrote a big stroke of luck. They got so banged up in the playoffs too. Like, yeah, like that so takes a toll up. on your team. And then obviously you, you don't come out with the victory at the end of the day. And I don't know. It could just be a demoralized team. Paul Maurice, his voice goes very quickly in locker rooms, as we've seen in past ten years. Good point, man. Oh man, you just gave me the biggest flashback of having to listen to Paul Maurice press conferences for that like three and a half week stretch of just the worst press on earth. Yeah, I think oh. he's a good coach, but he's one of those coaches that has a short yeah. lifespan. Extremely. Uh, one other team, just quickly, the Predators, I think, are going to suck really, really bad. Like, they're already one in three. Their roster is just not good at all. And I think that there's, like, nothing to be excited about with that team. No, Ottawa always... Uh, the, the sense Twitter is always talking about them being a trade candidate because they have no forward depth at all. Nothing, so like the sense that just kind of offload some cap space, just ship a guy out to Nashville, let him enjoy his retirement out there. And dude, like, I don't so- know. Yeah. It's like I feel bad because there's really only like <sighs> this might, I don't know. There's only like two guys I think of when, Na- uh, when I think of Nashville is Soros and Philip Forsberg. Yeah. And I don't know. Get him out of there because Soros deserves to like go on a playoff run because that's a goalie that can act like imagine Soros on Edmonton. I would I that is a sneaky early prediction, like a, a run on Soros. We could definitely see that happen. Like I, I I would throw so much money at that guy. Like he is one of the the handful of goalies in the league that you can trust trust like, you know, he's not going to fuck up. Yeah, imagine him on the Leafs. Imagine how much better of a team the Leafs would be if you had UC Soros in that. Instant, like instant cup favorites. Like yes. In yeah. a in a absolute instant. Yeah, that's something really interesting to keep an eye on. Uh he's just a guy who's kind of buried there. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the first week of the NHL. There's not much, much more to go on other than that. Uh interested to see how the pens and the caps kind of do. Those are two teams I'm kind of keeping my eye on this year for being a bit older and seeing if they can kind of keep up with the Metro division. Um, but other than that, we're going to come back after this with an addition of giving them the business. We haven't done this in a while, so stay tuned for that. All right, we're back with another edition of giving them the business. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. And this week on Giving Them the Business, I'm going to go after an entire organization in the Winnipeg Jets. I was disgusted to see this morning. Last night for the Kings-Jets game in Winnipeg, the, the Jets did a video tribute for Pierre-Luc Dubois. A video tribute um, for a guy who played, let me see... 195 games for them so let's say uh, you know just about maybe two a little over two seasons um who also happened to force his way out of winnipeg um like he forced his way out of columbus because he didn't like the situation uh even though his dad you know coaches and works in winnipeg and he's been around there uh decided you know i'm gonna force my way out and go to la 
because I want to. A great article by Murat Ates in The Athletic inside PL Dubois' decisions, ambitions, and how he landed in Los Angeles. Very well-written article, but essentially the core of it is that he just wanted to have fun and live in L.A. Um, They do the tribute. Half the arena is booing him, and the other half is like lightly cheering for him. He doesn't even know how to react. This is maybe the biggest peak of we've gone too far with video tributes more than ever. Like, can you think of a worse one? It's it's sad. It's it's like a it's it's sad. Though the Jets, I guess you don't have a ton of history right now. Like you're trying to create like something. He hated it. No, I know. That's what I'm like. That's what I'm. It's like you're celebrating that almost. I was like, it's not. That's not the guy. If someone played two and I don't. I I think the time span isn't necessarily the craziest thing. So I think if you have some guy who's giving you everything he's got for like two and a half seasons, he's he's point per game or whatever, and then business decision, he just has to leave. Sure, you know, welcome him back. I bet he enjoyed his time there. Pierre Pierre did not enjoy his time in Winnipeg, and. I don't know. He's he, he did the same thing to Columbus, did the same thing to Winnipeg. He doesn't seem like necessarily a, a great character guy, you might say. Like, a, I don't know, not necessarily a guy you, you want to date your daughter. Uh, but I don't know. Winnipeg just, I like, wh- you got to wonder what happened in that pitch meeting. Like, who, how many people do you think they voted on this? Do you think it was like a democratic thing where it's like, you got That's 10 people like in a room. Social media team is like, all right, guys, Dubois back in town. You know, the guy everybody loves, clearly. Like, it's just nuts. Like, in that article, here's a quote. At the end of the day, everyone's entitled to their opinion. It's my life. You only live once. I only have one career. So he's just saying YOLO. I want to live in L.A., and that's what we're celebrating here, Winnipeg. Like, I don't know. You're not going to get... People don't how, want to play in Winnipeg enough. How how I I miss this. How did the fans react to this, and how did Dubois react to it? Dude, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like you should go look it up after. He like how it's the funniest sound ever. Like it's like a in the background, and then like some cheers and whistles, and he like kind of goes like like he shakes his head a bit. Like he can definitely hear the booze. But then he still like looks up at the video screen and like puts his hand up. It's weird for the players, man. It's weird for for like everyone involved, essentially. Yeah, I think we should have parameters on who gets uh, video tributes. I I think you're right. We should move it to minimum three seasons. It Dude, would, like, would be the bigger guy like Nazem Kadri. Like Nazem Kadri comes back to Scotiabank and it's like, okay, Nick Kadri spent the first nine years of his career here. Drafted by them. Yeah. Like, drafted by him. Okay. I get it. It's just outrageous. Anyways, who's your given the business? Your turn. Um, I'm going to attack a kid, Caleb Williams. <laughs> I'm going at Caleb Williams. Uh, I don't know. I've never been a big Caleb Williams fan going into this season. A lot of people were kind of just handing him uh, his second Heisman going into the year without really doing anything. And uh, it's the exact same USC team as last year, just no defense. And his play has dropped off this year as well. I think that loss against Notre Dame has pretty much taken him out of Heisman contention unless he somehow runs the table, goes on a miracle miracle run, and 
whatever. A lot of things have to go his way to get his name back in this Heisman race. He people are also just anointing him first overall generational prospect. Uh, the best you've seen in since Trevor Lawrence and and uh, I don't know they they he, everyone's anointing him very very quickly very early. Uh, I saw an article. Caleb Williams wants equity of whatever NFL team drafts him this no, year. Oh, that can't be real. While also threatening to go back to college if a team like if the right team doesn't draft is isn't picking number one overall. That's crazy. That's yeah, so crazy. I, I think this is the and if you want to go full circle on this, this goes back to NIL. Uh college kids. It's this is going to become a problem, man, because they are going to have so much notoriety, so much money, so much like accolades before they even take a snap in the NFL. And the difference in leagues is insane. Potential, yeah. Yeah. So I like I'm not gonna go there. I, I think no, no, the potential is yeah. there, but I just don't know what goes on in his mind. And I don't know if it's his parents. I like I don't know what it is, but he it's like him and Rog Aaron Rodgers are looking for equity and you you don't really want to be mentioned with with Aaron Rodgers like just the two of you in in a thing it's like yeah you might be in the wrong on this one I don't know I think he's got they play Washington like they just have a slew of games that are like absolute stages I think the schedule makers really kind of knew what they were doing they were really trying to set him up for a back-to-back Heisman I would say in the amount of like limelight games they have I think that Washington game will be huge for his stock. But yeah, I think that it's been surprising to see the lack of um, criticism for him. Like people, this is football. Like the second you fall, you are absolutely slaughtered. And I haven't seen that with Williams. I have seen, though, an uptick in people talking about Phoenix Jr. He's like, I think he's he that was a big shifting weekend in terms of momentum kind of on to him. Yeah, he's the favorite to win the Heisman now. Uh, I think that I think just whatever quarterback plays on the best team in the Pac-12 might as well you might as well bet on them every year to win the Heisman because they just score so many points in the West Coast. But I think that will change when they go to the Big Ten. Like it's going to be hilarious to watch that USC team try and try and go into like Iowa in Nova in late November and think that you can just throw it like it's. I don't know. Yeah, like those teams are in for a big wake up call when they have to go to yeah it, it Ohio would be like placing and, army in the Pac twelve. Like and exactly. be like figure this out. <laughs> yeah, you, they're just not. They're just two just polar opposites of each other. And I I, I can't wait to see how that goes next year. Uh, one thing I will give Caleb R- Williams credit for uh, that that kid from Notre Dame uh, yeah. who kind of like sought him out and just kind of was like a heat seeking missile for roasting him. Yeah. Way to way to hold back, man, because I I yeah. in his spot, I don't know if I I don't know if I can say I would have done the same thing. There was a 30 for 30 developing there. Like if something went the other way, like, can't you just see the documentary in like five yeah. years? There's like lawsuits like we're three years down the road on this. That's thing. the opening scene of the, the yes. documentary. Yeah. I, what happens if he like responds to that? I really don't know, because I've always wondered that about rushing the field in college football like what the hell happens like you got players like on their one like a player could get jumped if they like for all people know 
yeah, it the idea of rushing a field sounds so much better than it actually is. Oh man, because that's it's chaos. just and I I have another take on rushing the fields. I only think you should rush the field if it's a one score victory. Because think oh, about yeah. how long Notre Dame was sitting on that lead for. Yeah. The entire fourth quarter. Like you were just waiting. Like you could have left the stadium and gone yeah. home and started drinking and head to the bars. Like what do you like? That's where my head's at. Good it's take. like it, rushing the field has to be like an instant reaction, like a walk-off touchdown. Like, oh my God. Like it's a yeah. reaction because five minutes later you're just you're just standing on the field. It it really should be like college basketball. Like you get a college basketball yes. rush the court on a buzzer beater, and it's like the best thing ever. Like it's chaos. That's, that's where I was like yeah. going with yeah. it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I agree. It, it, there's a lot to be fired up about, especially in the college football realm. Be very interesting to see how Caleb Williams kind of responds in the next few weeks. Um, but I think that'll do it for today at the goalpost. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We got a loaded weekend ahead. NFL football, NHL hockey, college football, CFLs wrapping up. Stay with it. And we'll you sports. Yeah, you sports. sports. Laurier Western. Weekend. Yeah. Let's some, go Golden Hawks. Some big bragging rights on the line. But uh, until then, I'll see you, Patrick. See you, Damien. With your black hair and your fat thighs. Street poetry is my everyday. But yo, I gotta stop when you drop my weight. If I was working at the club, you would not pay. Hey, yo, my man Fife Diggy, he got something to say. I like him brown, yellow, Puerto Rican, and Haitian. Mm. Name is Fife Dog from the Zulu Nation. Told you in the jam that we could get down. Now let's knock the boots like the group H-Town. You got BBD all on your bedroom wall. But I'm above the rim and this is how I ball.